Good evening, and thank you for tuning in to the You Thought Sportscast. This episode is going to be focused on dissecting all of Brady's Hulu commercial, all 26 of his body movements, his attire, whether Brady's commercial is more selfish than Marshawn Lynch retiring during their Super Bowl four years ago. All joking aside, congratulations to Andy Reid and the Chiefs for winning Super Bowl 54. I'm Jared Ludecker, casting alongside the usual crew. First up, I want to hear what Lucas Mason Moyer's takeaway from the Super Bowl is. Uh, love to see Big Red finally win one. Like I said in the past, loved him as an Eagles coach. Love that he won it. And I'm happy that I was pulled away from my house's bachelor watch party to be able to share my thoughts <laughs> with you tonight. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm particularly happy that he won one for the Chiefs and not for the Eagles. I just, just feel like you know, that's what brings me joy. Yeah. So that was just Aiden Lewis, and then we also got Bart Janchuk joining us. What was your favorite memory of the Super Bowl? Uh, I have to say it was probably when Andy Reid was interviewed after the game and they asked him what he's going to do, and he said, eat the biggest cheeseburger of his life. Very fitting, <laughs> very appropriate. I, I love his how down to earth he is. Yeah. And finally, we have Loyal's chief fan since about <laughs> 7 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, Wyatt Ludecker, what's your takeaway? I, I, my takeaway is I am now 100% in the playoffs. Have my picks so far this year. <laughs> so, so going forward, I want to be introduced as 100% Wyatt Ludecker. Um, oh and then gosh. I also bet 300 bucks that the uh, Gatorade color was going to be orange. So I'm a big winner today. Oh, really? Did you actually? Uh, no, I did didn't you, really do that. <laughs> Where, I don't even know. <laughs> Who offered that? <laughs> there were some wild ones, yeah. I saw a tweet that was like, there's now a full-on argument at the Super Bowl party because the husband bet $500 on the coin toss and lost. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> no, if you bet that Demi Lovato is going to wear pants, you would have won a serious amount of money because the odds were stacked <laughs> against you. She did a good you, job. And she did it. Yeah. Yeah, the national anthem was legit. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> as you can tell, as always on You Thought, we're keeping track of our predictions and as Wyatt said, three and zero on his prediction, predictions. Granted, Ooh. all the teams he picked were favored. Let's let's just put that out there. Uh, Aiden and Aiden and Lucas both went five and two, so they're tied for third. Bart went four and three, and I am somewhere behind that. I'll let you guys check the receipts. Oh, and six, yeah, or oh, and seven. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So you probably thought we would spend a large chunk of this episode reviewing the Super Bowl, but. You'd be wrong. Again, for the bulk of this episode, each one of us is going to have a chance to present an argument similar to our rants, and the other four will either come to the defense of the argument or completely rip it apart. So we're all going to be getting ready to take our knives out, hopefully. We're going to get right into it with Bart's rant. Take the floor. Yeah, so I actually was inspired by the Super Bowl uh, when I was thinking of this take. I think that every other major sports league should take a page out of the NFL's book and make their uh, playoff series best of one. Uh, I just think that there's something so wonderful and exciting about how you really just can't predict anything uh, in a best of one series. Like I think of the the Patriots losing to the Giants when they were 18 and 0. I think nine times out of ten the Patriots probably lose that game. But that's what makes the NFL playoffs so much fun. And then like on the flip side, think of the Cavs uh, Warriors appearing in the finals together for four straight years. That's just boring. Nobody likes that. If you had NBA playoffs that were best of one, that would have never happened. So I think uh, I think there's something to be said about not going best of five or best of seven. Just make it one. Make it more random. Who cares? It's more exciting. A quick counterpoint before Jared 
jumps into his complete disagree on this topic. <laughs> he said it'll be uh, same teams every year, but college football, single elimination, one game. You had Alabama and Clemson pretty much every year for the past couple of years. Okay, so. but college recruiting is like a bit of a uh, – major professional leagues are different. I would, would be my counter-argument to that counter-argument. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Well, Bart, I have to say this does not take into account how the margin for error changes in each sport. So let, let me just put this in perspective a little bit for you. The best player in the MLB goes into one for 30 slumps. Um, like in baseball, hitting a ball inches too high causes a ground out. Like the wrong bat angle by a couple degrees will be a pop-up. Where in the NBA, for example, where it seems like the, the same teams happen every um, go to the championship every year, a, bat, a player can have a bad day and still score like 15 points, like LeBron or, or Steph, somebody like that. The only reason, first off, that the NFL is a winner-take-all is because of the physical toll. Like, if you look at the new CBA, the owners want to play more games if the players would allow it. So I, I don't think it's really, um, like, their choice for, like, the most fun exhibition. It's just because of that physical toll. Um, uh, I watched a video recounting Michael Movison's great um, the sports equation a book about all this stuff he was talking about between how luck and skill is different in uh, different sports. So you got to think about how in football – um, how many chance, uh, how many chances your team has to score? So, like in football, how many you have like I don't know nine or ten possessions per half. Um, it, where in baseball you have twenty seven outs, nine offensive appearances. Your best player can't bat every time; they have to take turns. Where you can't do that, you can't do that in every sport. So, like if 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 the best player is always on the field at every time, then I think you have an argument for sure. It should be one at all. T- sure, it should be one game elimination, but your best player does not have the ball in their hands every time, depending on the sport. So I don't think it's fair to say that um, every sport should be a winner take all. I was just going to say, you could argue then, couldn't you, that it, it just has, it gives more incentive to like cohesive or like complete team building and not relying on individual players. Yeah, I would agree with that. So if you build a, a well-rounded team, then you shouldn't mind having a best of one series. Well, but but no, but if you look at baseball though, if you're it it doesn't matter. Like like I said, the margin for error in terms of how the sport measures your player skill is just different in every sport. Is that's kind of the point of the, that video that I watched. And um, so you can have a really skilled player in baseball, like I said, that every time they, that every time they come up, they could ground out, even though they're very skilled at their position. Where in football, where it's where Patrick Mahomes can miss by three yards and their uh, receiver can make a play on it. So that's why I think um, it luck just doesn't factor as much in football as it would in a sport like baseball or hockey. So it would be unfair to use to have more luck involved by only playing one game in baseball. Yeah, I'm with Jared on the yeah the idea that if you have the most cohesive team, especially in a sport like baseball, you want a larger sample size, like because you know you're gonna win like nine times out of ten, for example, instead of you know however many times out of one. Like it's just it's a little more risky. With that said, I do think certain sports could benefit from pulling back on the like ridiculously long playoff series because they just get boring. And then like, it's the playoffs. The stakes should always be high. And I agree that the NFL does a really good job at like, they always feel high. Like the NBA is terrible at that just because there's like two or three days. Yeah. Two or three days between games. And then you have, you know, three or four sets of seven game series is it gets ridiculous. Yeah, and I think going back to what Jared said, like with basketball, and it's similar to football in the way that like your best players are like playing most of the time. Like 
if it's a big playoff game, like LeBron will be on the floor for like 40 minutes of a game. Um, so the margin of error there, I think, compares itself more favorably to football. And I think you have examples of where single elimination, one game playoffs work with basketball and March Madness. Like it's an element of fun and chaos. Um, so I think maybe in that area, I could see expanding to maybe a best of one or at least a best of three. But for a baseball where there's such a small margin of error, I don't think you can ever really do a one-game playoff and have it be in any means fair. Yeah, I also think it should be scaled to how long the season is. Like with the NFL, there's only 16 games to start with. So like having, you know, just adding three more games in the playoffs, if that's what it is, four more games if if you're in the wild card round, seems like an appropriate amount of the season to be playoffs. Whereas with like basketball or baseball where they're playing 80 games or about 160 games they they should be scaled to be longer or else it makes it feel like you're having this large season lead up to like nothing i just want to throw one thing in there really quick so if you go into the nba and you do a best of one series toronto doesn't win the finals because they lost to orlando in the first round <laughs> we never see lebron james come back from a 3-1 victory brooklyn nets beat the 76ers in the first round they don't make it to eastern conference finals <clears throat> and michael jordan only has two championships in that structure because he wins he only won every game one in 96 and 97 every other time he had <laughs> lost a game one at some point so it it just doesn't work for a lot of sports i'm specifically quoting baseball or uh, basketball here but it just it doesn't work everywhere i mean all i'm gonna i'm just gonna conclude by saying that it it, it really comes down to whether you think that that's necessarily a bad thing and i would say that it's not necessarily a bad thing but that's like a completely separate discussion, I guess. So fair, yeah. All right, so I'm up next with my sort of take that everybody's going to either take down or agree with, and my hot take is that top tier college football teams should consider their season an abject failure if they don't win a title. I'm kind of sick and tired of being a Notre Dame fan and talking about like, oh my god, we had such a good season. We went 11 and two and won the Camping World Bowl. We went 10 and three and won the Citrus Bowl. And in reality, like. It's no empirically better than uh, going like seven and five in a season and winning another bowl game. Like, there's no greater reward to winning the Citrus Bowl versus winning insert ridiculous bowl name bowl. And I think it creates a system where uh, programs settle for mediocrity, and Notre Dame fans are okay with not winning national titles because they have these little things where they can look at the Citrus Bowl and say they won. So, I think uh, programs of Notre Dame's caliber should always look at this season as a failure. If they don't want a national title. Okay. Lucas, I'm going to address you in like two facets. First facet, like as a fan, winning championships is the goal. This I read an article by Craig, Craig Calcaterra about the Yankees. I really liked. He said that winning championships is the goal of every sports team. I totally agree with that. But you're not a sports team. You're a fan. This is, the, this is that team's entire professional ex, um, existence or experience. Then going back to the team, okay, then you're going to say, okay, well, I'm talking about the team should consider their season a failure. That doesn't, um, again, consider the variation across seasons. So if you're, you're telling me that Brian Kelly going from four and Notre Dame, going from four and eight, one season to 10 and three is a failure, I don't think that's a failure at all. I, I just completely disagree. I think that that's a success and that you, that you win six more games the next year. And talking about like a year when the coach is transitioning, they don't have their players in their system. I also don't agree that the, there's a big difference between a BCS national or not a BCS college football national championship trophy 
in a Rose Bowl trophy, for example. Like, I don't think Oregon this year considers their season a failure. Like, they, they came back with more hardware than Notre Dame did. And we, you know what I mean? So I, I just don't, I, that's, that's where I stand. Yeah. I think it depends on your definition of top tier team. Because if we're thinking about top tier team as like every team this year that finished in the top 10 or something at the end of the year, then next year, if they, if they don't win the championship, I think it is a, it's a, the season's a failure. But if you're just talking about like, you know, power five school or just any, you know, even a good team that had a bad year this year that, you know, was under 500, for example, then if they come back next year and improve, then it's hard to say it's a failure. So I'm kind of with Jared on that and that it should be viewed in the context of the team and their history. I have a list of top tier teams and you guys can tell me if, if you're happy with um, their season, Texas, USC, Notre Dame, Michigan, four top tier team, four top tier teams that really kind of have nothing to show for it. I mean, those teams are graded purely on national championships. And if you add a couple of other teams in there, Ohio state, Alabama, Clemson, I mean, they're not going to just sit there and clap their hands for 10 win seasons. I, they're graded on national championships. They don't care about bowl games. Players sit out of bowl games. Players or fans of USC and Texas, they know what their goal is. They don't care about 10 win seasons. I, I, I think I agree that, that if they don't win a championship, then then what's the point? And I saw, I heard this little uh, analogy is that like, if you're a business, you set up end goals where like you double your revenue or you hire X amount of people. Um, but the one goal for a football team is a championship. There's no kind of, you maybe double your revenue, you grow it by 80%. That's kind of like a random number, but you know, it like the real goal, the only standard is a championship. If you're a football team. Yeah. And I think maybe the, I will concede the context point. Like, yes, a four and eight season to a 10 and three season is an accomplishment and maybe failure is too strong a world word, but I think the expectation for Notre Dame in every year or an equivalent program in a Michigan and a USC, somebody like that who has fallen traditionally low, I think they've set their standards too low in which the end goal each year is in a national championship. Teams go from mediocrity to competing very quickly. And I feel like too often the bar is set at mediocrity and accepting mediocrity and seeing mediocrity as a success when the only real success, I think, should be considered a national championship. And maybe I'll sort of switch my argument to that, in which maybe it's not a failure if you don't win one, but I think the only standard by which you should measure success in college football is winning national championships and not winning a Citrus Bowl and having a nine-win year. But it gets recruits to it gets recruits to places like Clemson to say we're a four-time four time in a row ACC championship or five-time. Alabama says we run the SEC six times in the last 10 years. I don't know what their actual number is. Yeah, but what's the ultimate end goal of those recruits to win a national championship? No, the end maybe goal not. No, isn't... Might, that might not be. Their, their goal might be to get well, to the NFL, and that's how Alabama and Alabama's going to do that for them. No, no, I'm talking institutionally as Alabama. What's their end goal to, in getting those recruits? To educate it's getting, kids. winning a national championship. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Formation. Definitely <laughs> the case. Yeah. I can, I can, I can see those points. Um, still disagree, but... I'm gonna go into my. I'm gonna go into my take then. Um, so I'm just gonna just gonna give let you guys visualize this. Think about this a little bit. I'm gonna give you a fact. Michael Jordan did not win six championships. 
the Chicago Bulls did win six championships, and Jordan was a part of that team, team in quotations, or italics, that won six championships. I recognize I'm being facetious here, but my point is, is that in a team sport, so much has to go right that an individual player is not in control of that the weight given to winning a title to cement a player's legacy is way too high. And I'll go so far as to say you don't need to have a championship to be considered one of the top, I'm going to say top three greatest players in your sport. You don't need a national, you don't need a title for that. I I'd completely disagree. So I'm going to talk about the classic goat of Michael Jordan. Think about all the stuff that went right for him. He had a Hall of Fame coach, Phil Jackson, two other Hall of Famers next to him in Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. Pretty solid role players like Steve Kerr, guys like that. Um, and let's think about like um, some scenarios like in in um, baseball. Unless you're the pitcher, like if you're an offensive player, you have five plate appearances a game to make an impact. Maybe. What if no one's on base for what uh, on base for you for what you're supposed to do? Let's look at a player like Mike Trout, who is an All Star in every full season he's played, three MVPs. He's never the only time he's only finished. Um, he either hasn't won or finishes runner-up in one season. So he's been first or second in the MVP, MVP voting in every season, except for one, which wasn't his rookie season by the year, by the way. And people will still say his legacy's tainted until he wins a championship. Same with football. Like, let's look at how undervalued it is that the receivers have to be good at route running to get the ball. If you're the QB and your receivers aren't open, what are you supposed to do? Like, all this stuff has to go right. Like, let's look at Tom, one of Tom Brady's championships. If Malcolm Butler didn't have that interception, Tom Brady wouldn't be a champion right now Right now, uh, in that year. All that stuff has to go right, and I think it's unfair to get, to put it all on that individual player. Jared. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Jared. Is it crack, Jared? Is it crack that you're smoking? <laughs> what do you mean? To be a top three player and not – and to be considered a top three player and not win a championship? It, it – it doesn't make any sense. And I have it in my notes. I said, Jared's going to bring up Mike Trout and Barry Bonds. Those are the two things. That yeah. I knew you were going to bring up a baseball player. <laughs> baseball is a completely different sport. Um, a one player doesn't have the same influence on the sport unless you're like a pitcher, like you said. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go through this list of top five players, of uh, basketball players, and you tell me which one doesn't have a championship. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, and go further, Steph Curry, Kobe, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. These are all champions, and you have to be the a championship is the upper echelon of player. You have to win a championship to get there. Even if you go into Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Lawrence Taylor, Peyton Manning. I mean, even in football, there you have let's say 15 years of playing one championship. You really think in 15 years you kind of go one for 15? No, but no, because there's there's so much that that player is not in control of. If they want to if they want to stay with that team, if they like their area, but they're a small market team, they they can't buy the players that are going to get them the championship. And I, I think it's like you're going to say that people often say that great players make those around them great, but that's not true. Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman were great without Michael Jordan. And then like look at LeBron were James. They he had to carry. He had to. They're champ. Yeah, they're champions because everything else went right for them. But well. in that one year that they didn't have Michael Jordan, were they champions? You can't don't, don't try to make that argument though because you can't Why? take away you can't take away somebody that was contributing thirty points a game, and then expect them to win the championship that year too. But you exactly, and that's why they're so the, important. But hold on, did Michael Jordan win a championship without Scottie Pippen? No. Did LeBron win one without Kyrie Irving or Dwayne Wade? No. So like you can't. It's not all on that one guy. 
I agree with you that there's an element of chance in any given championship. You know, you're throwing out Malcolm Butler. Like, that's true. Like, that could have very easily gone another way. Like, every year there's some amount of luck that goes into a championship. But someone winning, like, six times in the case of Tom Brady or Michael Jordan, like, at that point, it's not luck. At that point, like, there's a clear reason that this guy must have something to do with this team being so good. Like, this individual must have something to do with it. I don't know. For me, I'm going to kind of cheat and say that it really, like at the end of the day, it depends on the sport. So like if, you're, if your take had just been that too much weight is given to winning titles, in general, I would agree. But I don't see how, like even in, in football, uh, where it's so much less like individual player dependent in baseball too, I don't see how you can make a claim for like a top five greatest player of all time who doesn't have a single title. I feel like if you if you if you play long enough, first of all, longevity is really important in that kind of um, like decision making. I feel like if you play long enough and you're good enough, you are bound to win one. Otherwise, you probably just weren't actually a top five greatest player of all time. But I agree that like Mike yeah. Trout in baseball is is a is a good counterpoint. It's baseball's but different. I think, yeah, I think it really just depends. Argue- I think all the arguments, though, like hinge on saying the inherent value of a tr- of a championship trophy is more than like an MVP trophy, as, or some like yes. individual awards. Like like our sports culture and players are just conditioned into thinking that reigns are the way to solidify your legacy. But and and then and then look at this, like Kevin Durant. Like it's like what lengths are players allowed to get a championship? Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors, and then everybody craps on him for it. And it's it's a classic case of like him saying, "I'm not going to give you what you." I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you asked for. Like, I, I just don't know what players are supposed to do at that point. Kind of getting into a different argument there, but. Um. I just got one question, Jared. Can you name me a top five player? Let's say, let's take baseball out of it. Cause I know you're, you're going to say Mike Trout. Can you name me a top five player who hasn't won a championship in the NFL? Dan Marino. Or... He's not a top five player. Dan oh Marino is gosh. not a top five player. <laughs> Try again. No, I'll I give mean, you one more shot. Best two like, Are we talking quarterbacks exclusively? Because like, if you wanted to talk about linemen That's... or receivers, for instance, yeah, like, it, it well, becomes I mean, much well, easier I'm... to give examples. Yeah. I, I'm, I was mostly looking at, for NFL, I guess, the players that are kind of in the control of most of the game, like a QB. But Wait, hold on. Wyatt, real quick. NBA John Stockton. Carl Malone. Who? John Stockton. John, John Stockton's not top five, but try again. I listed the top five. So we, Larry, we LeBron, Magic, Larry Bird, Magic. Johnson. Isaiah Thomas Michael is not a top yeah. five. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I would not. Kareem, then you want to just take him out? Yeah, for Kareem, Kareem. in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Sure. That's yeah. Still, that still proves my point. That, I don't know that Larry is either, but yeah, it's beside the point. Larry's not a top five player. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's so. close. Close. We don't have to put this on. Who would you? Who would you put over Larry Bird then? Um, yeah, Kareem, like maybe Tim Duncan, honestly. That's that's fair. He's also a champion. I don't know. I'll take it's... whoever you say as a champion. Yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> no John Stockton's in my top five. Okay. <clears throat> to kind of piggyback off of some of the NBA top five players, I'm going to kind of move over into another thing. This is in light of the NBA All Star Game, uh, All Star rosters being announced, and I think the an All Star appearance being as in being named an All Star is meaningless. I mean, if you look at every single year all the all-stars are listed and every year I care less and less about them. Being a voted an all-star is like being voted in from the Nickelodeon teen choice awards. 
you go and you get slimed <laughs> and you have fun and all that stuff. But you rather win a Grammy. You'd rather win an Oscar, whatever they do at the Teen Choice Awards. And I'm not talking about just like the game itself, but the rosters are always filled with the most notable names and not the players who are having the best seasons. I mean, they're better off just making the NBA game, specifically an NBA game, um, a fan vote with the, having the majority vote and let the execs and the players vote for the all-pro team. I'd rather be a, an all-pro rather than being named an all-star. <clears throat> well, I, I think all-star appearances, though, if we're talking about broader culture, it shows how much you mean to the fans, how much you how much you mean to players that pay attention to that sport. Like, let's think about what does it matter if you're having a great season but nobody knows about it. I don't really know. I don't really know how much that matters if the fans and the general sports culture who drives all these talks aren't talking about you. You know, as an all star, then I don't really know how much value that. I don't. I don't think you can take away value from being an all star because of that. And it shows how good, well you stack up against your peers. Like, in, like if you're an 18-time All-Star, that means you were one of the best of your peers that all 18 of those years, I think. So that's what I'm going I wouldn't say all no, 18 I, of the years. I would say some of the years. You know, I think someone getting their first All-Star appearance, like, that seems like a big thing for them. It probably means that they're having, like, a legit season. But, like, so many of the repeat ones, especially once guys get older, just feel like they're by default. It's just a fan sees a name that they know, and they're just like, sure, check, you know? And yeah, I think if you have fan voting and even like media voting to an extent, it, it, there's just like a huge asterisk next to any of it because people vote on name recognition really more than anything. Like the guy who didn't vote Derek Jeter into the Hall of Fame, the one person. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? I think if, if it's like exclusively player or coach based, then I think it is more valid. But fans and, and the media are too like too subjective and like emotional about it, I feel like. But that's not that I don't think that's a bad thing though. No, but if you're getting into the objectivity of like what should be considered an accomplishment and what makes somebody like a good player, there are certain tangible things that like sort of establish that that you can prove, something like a championship for one. And then when you get into <laughs> to like all-star games, that's again just like people like like I I voted for the all-star game and I've watched like 25 NBA games all year, like 17 of which have been the Sixers and like I don't like, I'm an uninformed voter. I think it means less <laughs> when it's something that isn't up to people who are with, with and watching the game every day. I mean, like, pe- people will vote in a guy who's been hurt the whole year. Yep. <laughs> like, how does that make sense? You're not an all-star if you haven't even played. But I, I think that, but I think that um, actually the fact that you haven't watched games and you still voted for whatever guy you voted for shows their broader cultural appeal and how they're important to people that don't even watch basketball. I think that's important. And think about, like, how many more people is LeBron inspiring than Devin Booker, who everybody's like, should have been an all-star and all that. You know what I mean? That's what yeah, I'm then what matters? I, then what matters in your legacy? Yeah, like, right. Because my point is is that... Inspiring I mean, people you, is, is a good thing for your legacy. Good. Yeah, you can inspire people, but you being an, an 18-time all-star and having that being used as a Hall of Fame resume and people using that as a... As a, as a a way to, to judge whether you do and don't get into Hall of Fame. I think that's unfair. I mean, Devin Booker is having a great year. Bradley Beal is having a great year. And I don't think that those guys should be judged because they don't get the fan votes because they play in Phoenix and Washington, D.C. Well, that's I mean, a different you, argument than saying all-star game appearances are meaningless. They are meaningless because, I mean, you can't you can't judge a player and put that on their Hall of Fame resume and use it as a judge of whether they're a good player or not if we're just tweeting and Alex Caruso gets into, like, the top 10 of fan votes every single year. Or not every single, but this year. 
Yeah, like, Alex Caruso is, like, not a great basketball player. He's not and, a top ten. Uh, no. No. He doesn't even have a champion. Yeah, exactly. No. Is he top five? He's our fifth, yeah. Keep going back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so moving on. I'm going to go in the uh, fun statistics direction. Everyone get excited to talk about uh, the most famous basketball advanced statistic, PER. It's the one that's kind of hit the mainstream. You know, if you go on ESPN... You know, you click on a player's name, it's right next to points per game, assists per game, all, all the usual. So it's, it's the one that everyone knows. And because of that, and because it's kind of a black box, it's given, I feel like, a lot of weight. People throw around PERs as just like the, the way of judging a player, like the entire way. They'll be like, oh, is PERs better? Like, he's better. Um, when first of all, they don't actually know what's in PER. And second of all, what's in there is a little suspect. So first of all, John Hollinger. Stat Pro, who made it up, uh, admits that it's not a defensive stat, yet it includes blocks and steals in the formula, just thrown in there because I, I guess why not? Which, if you're not going to make it a defensive stat, then don't make it a defensive stat. Just don't include those things because acting like you know blocks and steals can somewhat show you know a player's defensive skill is just not accurate in my opinion. Additionally. There are two types of players that PER really, really loves. And the first are big guys, because first of all, it doesn't distinguish between assisted and unassisted field goals. So if you just stand in the same spot and, you know, 18 minutes a game against the second, the second team from the, from the opposing squad and just, you know, hit two foot jumpers, you know, you'll be pretty good in PER's eyes. And the other player that they love are volume scorers. Because if you, the way that it's weighted is that a three-pointer is weighted three times more than a miss. So technically you break even if you hit 20% of three-pointers, which is, you know, um, not ideal per se. So therefore, each time you shoot, you keep gaining that. So if you just throw up like, you know, 60 shots, and even if you make like 25% of them, you're still going to make more. You're still going to gain a lot of PER points off of that. So... In conclusion, I think acting like looking at PER and judging a player entirely based off of that is is a little crappy. Anyway. So I will I will concede that it is flawed, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think it's like a bad stat per se. Mm-hmm. I I think it's really useful to have a stat that tries to basically like summarize the box score for you. And like I think it, yeah, it's nice to be able to just look at one number. And obviously, like you said, it's it's super like skewed towards some things. But I think in general, like the just like the distribution of the way like average players play across the league, like like in general, it's it's normal enough and the numbers aren't weird enough that it's still like semi useful to have like a distillation of all of their box score into one number. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's it's nice to be able to summarize the, the box score a little bit, even though, yeah, it's not. There are certainly better ways to judge a, a player's like full ability on the court. Yeah, I was gonna come in and disagree with Aiden, but he 100% convinced me yes. in this little yes. t- thing. Victory! So I'm, I claim the W. I'm team anti PER now. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna agree that like P- with same thing Bart said that PER mm. isn't perfect, but he never said um, Hollinger never said it's not a defensive stat. He just says it doesn't measure it. It's not a reliable measure of a player's defensive. Uh, acumen i guess um and i think when you look i think when you look at um the player efficiency ratings like all-time best seasons 
It gets it right most of the time, I think. And like career leaders like Michael Jordan, LeBron James are one and two. Anthony Davis is up there. Shaquille O'Neal is up there. Like I think it does do a pretty good job of getting it right. Yeah, no, that's fair that like if you look at overall trends, like it, it generally gets the, the good players. My concern though is I think as Bart mentioned at some point, it's this like it's it's nice to have the single statistic, right? And because it's viewed as that, like I don't mean to act like it has to be perfect, but if it's gonna be the single statistic someone's gonna use to judge, then it kinda does have to be perfect. Like as opposed to like a bunch of other stats that we know have flaws. Like if you're just viewing this and you think it's, you know, like Bible when it has some sketchy elements, I think that's an issue. Yeah. Do you know when it came out as a stat? Um, it was, I think, like 15 years ago. Okay. Because I wonder then, I was going to say, it's a little bit like the way he set it up, like selecting on the dependent variable, like he knew Michael Jordan was the best player ever. So he... <laughs> 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 or, I mean, like, is there some degree of like element of like he knew what like a good basketball player should be? And so he crafted the stat, and so it already fits the model of what a good player should be because yep. the media has created Michael Jordan as the best player, so to include in his, like, all-encompassing stat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It weights certain things over the others. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I looked at the, the formula for about, like, four seconds today, and it's, like, so, like <laughs> it is, like, a paragraph long, and I was, like, who who knows what this is? Who knows how this man came up with it? But <laughs> I read, though, that they, they can't even calculate it for players before 1977 because they didn't track turnovers and a couple other stats that are involved in it until then. So, like, it might be, like, some kind of adjusted version of it. And, like, three-pointers didn't exist. One two thing I uh, wanted to throw in there, too, is that the each the average each season is adjusted to be 15. Yep. So, like, Michael Jordan's is just was just that much better than the people that year in the league average. So, it's not yep. good. For, it's obviously not good for comparing people across generations. but um, Or, actually, it could be. It's trying to be. Um, oh. Um, all right so we're gonna end the show with a, a fun little final segment where i need all you guys to just make up your mind i'm gonna give you a question and then two options and then you, you need to make up your mind and pick a side so um you gotta you gotta either try to gain allies stop defectors whatever you gotta do so we're gonna start out which this is the question which will happen first zion williamson wins an MV, nba mvp or coach o who just got hired to an extension through 2026 Leave slash is fired from LSU. Whoever wants the floor. I think Coach O leaves or is fired before Zion wins an MVP. I agree. I think while he had a great year this year, I think it was just kind of a, a perfect star-crossed year. I could see him having maybe... I mean, like, his coaching record before this is not great. I could see him having an 8-5, and five, a 7-6 and six after Burrow leaves and him just sort of, like, working his way out. Um... Versus Zion winning an MVP, I think there's still a lot of guys in front of him who would win it over. I don't. I think he's going to progress to be a great NBA player, but I think in the I think Coach O probably leaves LSU within five years. I think in the next five years, Zion doesn't progress enough to pass a Giannis, even like a improving Embiid or somebody like that. So I think Coach O leaves before Zion wins an MVP. Y'all still doubt Coach O? God, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Coach O is going to be coaching LSU till his death, okay? (laughs) So we'll sign up one by then. We'll see. (laughs) 
I'm gonna go with Coach O leaves as well. I think that the way to the time, and it's not because I think Coach O is bad and that he's gonna get fired, but I think it's hard for a player in the NBA to win an MVP. I think that's kind of it's not it's not the it's not lined up for Zion to win it. All right, we're gonna go, we're gonna move on to the next one, which will happen first. Nick Saban has a losing season, or Brian Kelly wins a championship at Notre Dame. <laughs> I'm gonna say Nick Saban has a losing season. You know, what? I don't think Brian Kelly will ever win a title at him. <laughs> yeah, question. What if, if this includes like Nick Saban like going to the NFL again? Then definitely. No, definitely. no Alabama. <laughs> I, oh, Jared, okay. Jared, what if my answer is that neither will ever happen? Yeah, because I think that's a, a distinct possibility. What is more likely? For yeah, what's more hmm. likely? Let's say that. I, hmm, that's tough. I think Brian Kelly. I can't see Nick Saban having a losing season at Bama within the next five, like like ten years. I, yeah, if he's still there. Yeah, I also can't see Nick Saban have a losing season at Alabama. So I, I have more faith in Brian Kelly than most people do too. So I'm definitely <laughs> going BK. Um. All right. Ready yourself for disappointment is all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Spoken like a true ND fan. Uh, Lucas said I should yeah, I should only said? be measuring championships as the total barometer for his success. Yep. I will stand by that statement. All right. Which is more likely to happen? James Harden wins a single NBA championship, or Tiger Woods wins four more majors to pass Jack Nicholas for most all time majors. Harden. Yeah, I'm with Hard I think Harden on this Tiger. one as well. Tiger. I don't I'm think either is going to happen. I don't know. This is Wait. tough. Because, like, worst case scenario, Tiger wins four in a row, and James Harden has a four-year window to win a championship. Uh, I think it's James Harden. I, th- I think James Harden would win a championship first. I could see Harden, like, ring chasing at some point and just going to a place where he that's fair. Title, like we talked about yeah, before. That's fair. And I think Tiger's too old to... I don't know. Yeah, eke out four more majors. Yeah, I'm thinking about Harden. So much more time in golf, though. Age wise, pretty much up until the day you die. (laughs) (laughs) But he's won one major since 2008. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know that doesn't look good either. I just can't see James Harden winning with his current. Like, I can't see this Rockets team or any Rockets team like it soon. Like, actually winning a championship. But the the ring chasing thing is a is a fair point. Okay, last quick question. Which battle would you rather see again? Joel Embiid versus Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns or Coach K versus the Cameron Crazies? <laughs> Joel Embiid. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say Coach K versus the Cameron Crazies just cuz I love Embiid, but I think he's lost kind of his fire this season and I think any battle at this point would be more so sad versus like fun. Yeah. Because for me to watch an Embiid versus Towns rematch fight would entail me watching the Wolves play the 76ers. I, I don't want to do that at the moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't even have a good argument against that. They've he, Carl Towns hasn't won a game that he's played in since November. So, <laughs> my, my only thing is, is that... Everybody says Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns are soft, so I hope they just get in like a huge fist fight just to prove that they're not. Yeah. Soft. Just right in the middle of the court, yeah. right off jump ball. 
<laughs> oh. Your weekly reminder that the Sixers are terrible and the process is dead and lost by 30 plus to the Heat mm, last just night. The process. Oh, to Jimmy, that hurts. Oof. Yeah. yeah. At least it wasn't to the Wolves. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Oh my god. Uh, so we have a Twitter account. Actually, it's at You Thought Media on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and give us a follow. Go ahead and give us a DM. The DMs are open. Let us know what take to today that you thought was the most ridiculous. Um, who thought was right. Maybe have some suggestions for the show. We're willing to listen to them. We're so early on that your suggestion might make a big impact. Um, I want to give a shout out to our follower of the week. Something I'm going to try to do <laughs> is uh, shout out to Mike. It's my roommate's dad. Shout out to Mike, our follower of the week. Mike, we appreciate yeah. you. Yes, big award. Thank you, thank you, Mike. Huge trophy. Yeah. Huge trophies coming in the mail, Mike. Yeah. It's a- and then, uh, <laughs> the next follower of the week. The next follower of the week could be you. So go give us a follow on Twitter, um, and we will try to engage with you on there. Yeah. And quick plug: we're on Apple Podcasts now. Oh, yes, so check us we out. are on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star rating if you enjoy the show, and tune in next week for more sports talk.